Welcome to The Real Van City. I am your host, Michael Tranmer. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring stories from Vancouver's top influential leaders on how to achieve authentic business, relationship, and spiritual success. Let's get into it. Kevin. Hey. Thanks for coming. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. I'm excited. I'm excited for this. You've got... uh, We've got. Uh, it's a challenge, actually, to 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 research you and, and prepare because. <laughs> but it, it's actually quite quite interesting because all the things that you do are naturally aligned and connected mm-hmm. together. So that does. You know, we went to the same university. Oh, crazy! Yo, really? Right yeah. on. Yeah. I loved uh, loved the business program there. It was uh, a lot of good memories. That's what you took. Yeah. yeah, yeah I did, nice. Yeah. But now, so now your primary, and we have a yeah. It'd be great to talk about you know the work that you're doing. I always love to talk about, and I know you're into fitness and, and kind of personal health and, um, you know, people's, people's general outtakes on life and, and kind of relationships goes into that as well. Mm-hmm. So lots of good stuff we're looking forward to getting into today. But what, what are, we, we, we touched on this before we turned on record, but what are you most excited about these days? I mean, there's a lot. I'd say the one thing that's kind of top of my mind right now would be my events, DLNet events. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you, you try, you start and fail businesses over the years. And at some point something comes along that kind of picks up a life force of its own and, yeah. and gets momentum. And for me, that's, that's definitely been dealing. How did you come up with that? Um, oh my goodness. Um, go back. I used to be an institutional analyst at two different, which is what? So, okay. Uh, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. how about that? Yeah. Yeah. So I basically like a typical analyst will evaluate companies, see if they're worthy of investment. Mm -hmm. My role um, in the latter days was a bit of a hybrid where it was half traditional analysts like that, half client facing. So where I worked, our clients were so massive. For example, a single client, I think my biggest client invested about $2 billion with us, just one client. Mm -hmm. They're so big, the fees are so high that you can, they can justify essentially assigning them an analyst. Mm -hmm. So I'd have a handful of companies that they could call me with questions and, and like, for example, um, hard to imagine this, but there was a time when oil was, was crashing, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone was thinking, you know, what companies, what countries are going to get, you know, decimated by this fallen oil price because it's not all sunshine and rainbows for everyone, right? And companies, my clients would call me and say, we want a portfolio evaluation of all the countries and, you know, industries, that's easier, and specific companies that are going to be impacted negatively by this. Hmm. And in the inverse, if it comes back, who's positive? So that's that's a massive research project. Yeah. But these companies are so big that it was worth the firm to, to assign those resources. So it was a, a hybrid client relationships mixed with um, pure analyst work. Wow. Yeah. How, and we'll get back to how the mm-hmm. how the how the deal night started. But how 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 did you research for that sort of as an engineer, this is quite interesting. Yeah. Uh, but how did you research for that sort of thing then? And how would you do that now? Yeah, let me think. I mean, we one thing we were fortunate to have was an unbelievable amount of resources for research. We'd be paying a, a we, <laughs> the firm would be paying a, yeah. a very large amount of money for just software. Um, we'd have people we could call that were subject experts. You name it, we had it. Um, the firm managed about half a trillion dollars. So very, very large company. Um, so... For example, though, inside of this software, you know, one thing you might look at is export data. Mm. Um, what countries export the most oil? Well, that's pretty easy to figure out. 
then you could zoom in more to certain industries that have the most exposure to the price of oil. So it's kind of you laser it in like that. And then there's just a lot of, you know, trial and error, like even Googling, you know, simple things like that and just finding research articles, finding company data. It's just a lot of brute force work yeah. combined with some efficiency from software. But a lot of it is just put in the time, <laughs> figure yeah. it out, make Well, calls. and it's like ask the right question, yeah. right? go the right direction and get the right answer to, yeah. the, to, the, to the properly defined question that you have yeah. in the beginning, which is... Now, could something like ChatGPT do it for me? Maybe. Perhaps, but... <laughs> They'd probably perhaps. be help, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> so, how, so how did the evolution go? Was it, was it from that role into becoming a full entrepreneur into the events or what was there yes. a... a uh, evolution, a deeper evolution within there. That pretty much was it. Um, the idea kind of came to me when I was an analyst because every, I don't know, week, two weeks, at least multiple times a month, we'd be going to see executive management teams. We'd see company pitches. Sometimes they'd come to the office. Sometimes we'd go out for lunches. Um, the typical thing I would do actually outside of work would be something typical. Go to Gotham Steakhouse in the, in the basement there. You'd have one company sponsor it, buy everyone lunch. Um, pay an investor relations group to organize it and you listen to the company pitch, they obviously hope that you invest. Mm. You go to enough of these things and you realize that the traditional format is just, <laughs> it's painfully boring yeah. and there's just no emphasis put on being creative or memorable. Nice. And the bar was so low that I thought I could do something better than this in my sleep. Mm. And it took a few years for me to decide, okay, I'm actually going to do this. Nice. And it's before I had started other businesses um, that I'd come back to this as essentially what was a, at first a passion project. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Yale Town, you can see it from here. Yeah. Uh, they have a loft above it where it's an event space. Yeah. Hired that out, thought if I can get 50 people in a room that are just above average, you know, s- smart, connected, just good quality people in a room, yeah. get a few companies to sponsor it. Everyone listens to them speak. They buy us drinks, you know, win-win. Yeah. That's where it started. Yeah. It's grown to be much more than that. Um, you know, four cities across North America, the size of the events is it's much larger. It could be as big as I want it now. Um, we have four, five, 600 people register. We only let 150 in now. Um, we find that's an appropriate number for what we want without it becoming too chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a US TV show that wants to film their, their uh, finale <laughs> at our event yeah. and, and lots of exciting stuff's happening. So like I said, it's one of those moments, you know, it's, what, it's an overnight success that took five years? Yeah, well, congrats. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate uh, it. I've, I've seen the footage of the events and heard great things for the ones that are here in Vancouver. So how do, you, you. How, do you, how do you decide which 150 people get in? Because ultimately you want investors mm-hmm. in the room, mm-hmm. but you also, there must be an element of you want um, you know, certain people with, of influence in there, yeah. and, and you also want to open it up to to the public as much mm-hmm. as possible, but that there must be a, a decision criteria, especially yeah. as things get more popular, but who, who gets in the room, which I would assume if some people are not getting in the room, you may have a little bit of pushback. Right. And that's very true. <laughs> and it's getting harder and harder each event as the wait list grows. So there's a few things, you know, we do ensure that there's a core of the audience that's traditional, you know, investment bankers, investment advisors, um, fund analysts, things of that nature. We want those traditional people, but we also are looking for influencers that aren't necessarily finance influencers. There can be other kind of business adjacent influencers that can still bring a lot of attention to us. Um, Traditional media, we always want them in there to see what's going on. You know, we've had some articles written about us. That's still um, something of interest. And just like you said, we do always keep a block of tickets open for 
you know, anybody who wants to show up, like not everybody has to go be, you know, extremely wealthy or something. I do want to be inclusive, but with the thought that at the end of the day, this is for the companies. So it is going to have to be tailored yeah. for them. So we do mostly go with kind of that traditional crowd that are vetted investors. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. cool. Uh, it's a balance. And, but when you left your, your role, so backing up a couple steps, when you, when you left your role and did, did you start this idea while you, while you were still within your role and you're kind of testing things out, you said it was a hobby or was it like, uh, you know, leave my role that I'm with, with this institution and then go full on in this direction. Well, there's, I forget what book it is, but it's kind of about, you know, build your side hustle. Once that gets momentum, then jump out and go for it. I didn't have that luxury. <laughs> my job was so intensive that you show up 7am in the morning, you're one of the last people there, you leave 6 or 7pm at night, you're one of the first people to leave. Sundays, in many instances, were like a regular work day, mm. you just get to dress casually. Mm. <laughs> so it was it was a very demand, a very fast paced demanding environment, which made it next to impossible to do any idea generation. And, and I was trying, you know, to whatever extent I could on evenings and weekends, I'd have a idea journal. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Nice. You know, I'm a believer you need 100 terrible ideas to get one good one. Yeah. So I was coming up with tons of terrible ones. <laughs> yeah. Where does your creative side come from? And did you always know you, you had it? Um, man, I would say I don't know, like I've, I've done some things in the arts, you know, music and such. So there's been a bit of that. I think my dad, he was always a, an entrepreneur. Okay. Uh, so I was just trained, you know, everything was in a business opportunity, whether we'd see, you know, somebody planting a bunch of fake plants. And we we're first thing we wonder is like, well, who's selling those? Where are they manufactured? And he had experience working in China and we'd, we'd figure things out like that. So it was just kind of a hobby between me and him. Nice. But we'd be bouncing ideas off each other, you know, watching Shark Tank and Dragon's Den. So oh, really? I think it was just really encouraged in my household. And I always knew from you know, the beginning that at some point I'd be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know when. Nice. Um, and it all just kind of happened. Um, I hit a certain point where I knew, you know, institutional finance wasn't my future. I just knew that wasn't where I was going to belong. I had to be an entrepreneur. I knew I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do while I was there. And it just came to a moment where I was pacing around a bo the boardroom in the afternoon, just calling everybody I knew who I needed their opinion. Uh, whose opinion I wanted and everybody encouraged me. They all said the same thing. Like, we know you're going to be an entrepreneur at some point. If you feel like now's the time, like go for it. And we, we got your back. So I was wow. lucky to have a very supportive. So what did, board. what did that decision look like? And then what did, you know, what did the, once you made that decision to leave, what, you know, what did the six months or so or wherever look like after that? How did you, how did you set yourself up? Cause starting the entrepreneurial journey is, mm -hmm. is, is something. Right. I, you know, I exist in, in, in both worlds yep. as an engineer and, and doing these other things as well. Um, but I've gone full on in entrepreneurship. So I appreciate how wild you all are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've got a little bit of that muscle, but maybe not the full one. <laughs> but so what, how, how did you set up like that, that? How did you make that decision? And then how did you set it up for as much success or comfort as possible in the beginning? I mean, I wish I had a really sophisticated answer for you. But the truth is, I got frustrated um, with my job. Uh, and I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I was just going through a lot of life change at the time. You know, I had, uh, an ex of mine, her and I had split up. So I was kind of on my own, basically freedom to make decisions with only worrying about myself. Right. And I had the opportunity to, you know, I was living at the hotel, Georgia, beautiful place, moved, sold everything I had moved out, moved in with my dad, <laughs> things that I couldn't have done in a relationship. So it, so space was freed up for entrepreneurship. 
the desire was there. And honestly, there was a bit of just recklessness that pushed me to do it. Like a bit of a, just screw it. Like it's now or never. And I don't care what happens, (laughs) that kind of thing. Like I was a little bit in a, there was a bit of a negative headspace where I was kind of just feeling a little bit crazy. And ultimately, (laughs) you know, it was the, it was the spark I needed to make it happen. But I don't have like a big, (laughs) like sophisticated roadmap. Uh, I just jumped out of the plane and I figured it out on my way down. (laughs) Yeah. That that can sometimes be the, be the, be the best way. So you you get out, um, you know, you start doing the events and you see some success, but there there can't be too much money in that, in the, Mm -hmm. in the beginning. But from, from that, all these other things have sprouted out. Kind of the reverse, actually. So I got the idea for the events while I was an analyst. Then I quit and kind of forgot about that for a while. Um, I essentially started a media business. I would um, profile growthy companies, talk about venture capital, purely educationally. And it wasn't until companies said, hey, you know, could you help me with my marketing, my branding, etc.? I'll pay you for it, that I was kind of surprised. I just hadn't even really gotten that far in my plan yet. I just wanted to start with something valuable and monetized it way quicker than I expected. And from there, I kind of just kept finding out what people needed, what clients needed in those that similar sphere of investor relations, and then expanded, expanded, expanded. Deal Night was one of those expansions where there was one point where I went to another one of these boring events that I mentioned to you, realized this still hasn't changed. Like, how has some, how is no, how is this not happening? <laughs> and I just decided, well, okay, I'll do it myself. We hosted that event at Earl's. It was small scale, but it was a success. It was flashier than a typical event. It was something that everyone was posting on social media, tagging each other. It had this online element that definitely didn't exist before. And by creating this excitement and glitz and glamour, the amount we had to basically spend to get people to the event came down. In comparison, I didn't have to buy the mistake. I had to buy, you know, a couple cocktails. And they would come for the networking, the pitches. Like there was so much more they were there for that that was kind of the aha moment. And it just, every event iterated from there. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... uh in some I, I, the events, the events that I do in the engineering space, it's a lot of engagement and mm-hmm. getting people to actually talk to each other, which, right. which can be challenging with, with <laughs> sure. engineers. But it's there, there's certain things that you can do, and I've seen them done at some of the other networking events around town, some with success and some with um, less success. Mm-hmm. But there are there are certain things that that you can do to where you set up the space for when humans come to it in these events and you can make them engage and interact in such yeah. a meaningful way and it doesn't cost any money, <laughs> sure. right? And it can be really powerful to have people uh, have that feeling when they mm-hmm. go to your events and then want to come back and then attract more people to the next ones as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you guys have found something similar. Seems like it. You know, last event <laughs> for the finale, I had these two like cannons of like fire blow up next to me. So we're just having fun and experimenting, trying to find ways to engage people, make them want to put it online to kind of get that network effect of people that know about the event. So nice. it's it's just, a, I got the best job in the world. Honestly. Nice. Yeah. And so the, the events right now has, has become one of the main focuses. Yeah. 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 When's the next one? Where, where and when? So it's going to be Toronto um, early November. We're going to finalize the date this week. And then right after that, we're going out to Miami, November 16th. So we may do like week to week, back to back events, which will be aggressive. Nice. But we're, we're good at this now. We can, we can just um, rinse and repeat more or less. And it's because you have a, a list or an yeah. email list in each of these. So how did you build that up in these? Or how did you grow those networks in Toronto and, and Miami without being mm-hmm. there? Well, Miami, I was there for a few months. Um, Toronto, I go for business. I, I, I know a lot of people and a lot of people actually 
to be honest, through my Instagram. Um, follow me from Toronto and definitely Vancouver. And that was kind of the basis. Vancouver, though, very first few events was quite literally me power dialing and power texting anybody I'd met on the way that was a, an interesting person, entrepreneur, maybe, maybe they had a good job. Maybe I knew they were from a wealthy family. Maybe they were a, an investment advisor. And I was just power texting people like crazy. Now, we've picked up a bit of momentum where it'll happen. It's happening organically. You know, I get notifications on my phone, such and such has pre-registered for Toronto deal night. And that happens organically now. Um, but in the early days, it was just hand-to-hand combat, a lot of yeah. LinkedIn outreach, you know, take your, your followers and find out who's from Toronto or Miami, message them individually. Um, I also have a big team. I mean, there's 12 people that work with me. Yes. Um, my partners are really good at building tools for automation. So we were able to outreach to a lot of people. Um, that were in the investment industry. So it's just a all hands on deck, every channel you can. And in Miami, I'm physically there. Um, I, you know, parachute behind the lines and I'm handshaking everybody at a million, you know, two or three networking events every week for three months and putting them in my phone with a tag Miami. So I could send them, um, messages when the event was launched. So a, a bit of everything. I've seen our, uh, mutual friend, Brittany taught me <laughs> yeah, how to yeah, yeah. fill a room and it's, uh, it's not glamorous in the beginning, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's, it's literally, it's, you, 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 you message and, you know, I uh, did a bunch of events last summer and, and they were full, but you, you, they're full. They're, it's, you don't do a one post on Instagram mm-hmm. for your first event and things mm-hmm. are full. If only. They're full. You, you, you put it out there and then you start going with your thumbs and yeah. you message all the people <laughs> until you get blocked on, on Instagram. You wait a couple days uh, and then you go get, but it's a hustle. It's a hustle. It's a hustle. Yeah. And it's, but it works, you know, like that's how you fill events in, in the beginning and, and get it going. Brittany's a great example. I mean, she's a networking powerhouse mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's been you know, very helpful with all this. And what a great example of somebody moving to Vancouver from scratch and building an amazing networking group um, in the YBR Entrepreneurs Club. So yeah, it's, it's not glamorous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I just, uh, I've, I've learned so much from, from her and continue to learn uh, from people that sit in this chair over, over here. But I saw... I saw one of your um, posts or videos on on Instagram about how, but when you initially went to Miami, it was because mm-hmm. a relationship ended, yeah. and you were like, "Well, uh, I'll go, I'm going to Miami, right?" I've got a habit of this, I yeah, guess. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes when things end, it's a great opportunity to uh, try and go yeah. in one direction. But was that <laughs> was that kind of like a get out of town, let's try something new type thing? Honestly, a lot of similarities to the previous. Uh, patch of craziness from my my former relationship it was it was again the same thing you know becoming single i had always had a like a love of miami mm-hmm. <laughs> for a lot of reasons you know it's, it's beautiful tropical fun good music but then this business scene was really really picking up and i was seeing this kind of exodus of talent from you know certain jurisdictions to heading to miami and austin places like that very pro business and i had a desire to be part of it I wanted to escape the Vancouver winter, as most of us aspire to. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I, in the same thing as previous, I had this newfound freedom where I could just think selfishly and just do something I wanted to do. And I thought, now's a good time. I want to do events in Miami anyways. Why not just do it right now? So I didn't even think too much about it. I took a few days to decide. And then I one-way flight down to Miami. And and that was the rest is history. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. So what's the... What's the plan or vision for this winter here? Are you are you more settled? Are you are you in a relationship? Are you, are you looking for one in Miami or Toronto, Vancouver? Maybe not one in each port, but uh, yeah, maybe I don't not. think that'll work. But no. some people do it. Whatever. Too exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this winter is is TBD. Honestly, I've nice. traveled so much over the last year 
that I'm kind of exhausted mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't mind, you know, the rain is outside. Nice, I'm, right? I don't mind it. I'm yeah. like, I'm ready for summer to be over. I'm ready to hunker down, make content work. So I'm thinking about the next two months, whatever happens after that mystery, who knows? Could be married by then. You never know. Well, you, you heard it here. You heard it here first. You heard it here. First. How do you, so let's talk about relationships and stuff. How, you know, cause you're a fairly public guy, right? And, <laughs> you, and you know, some people, so you're in a, you're in a different category than, so you're single. Correct. Yeah. yeah so, so you're in a different category than a lot of the other single guys out there, right? Who are perhaps, <laughs> um, whatever, f- fighting the battle against on their own type thing, right? right? Well, like, well, how do you find the dating the dating world in, in Vancouver? It's good. I've got no complaints at all. I mean, I go through phases where I'll go on tons of dates and then I'll, I'll kind of go through phases where I need to just kind of hide away and, okay, back to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think you got to kiss a bunch of frogs. What do they say before you get a prince? I guess princess in this case. But um, still, you got to, you know, I'm, I'm picky and I'm in no, no relationship to, I'm sorry, I'm in no rush. I don't feel like I'm in a rush. It's got to be, you know, my last two relationships were long, seven and four years, yeah. both nearly went towards uh, being married. So I'm being very conscious of who I spend my time with. And I think I got, you know, the first six months or something, I just wanted to just go out, date as many people as I possibly could. Miami was obviously a blast for that. Um, certainly, you know, the events bring me attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. So that, that definitely made my experience easier. I think at this point, you know, I'm, I'm more conscious of, of nice. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm less interested in, in just dating many people. I'm, I'm more, I would like to, to focus ultimately, you know, find somebody that's right for me and we'll see, see, nice. how, see where it goes. <laughs> so for the, back to the events, when, when you, cause what, what happens at these events for, for people that don't know, you come in and, and you have a number of companies that are featured, you have investors in the audience and then perhaps a match is, is made. How do you how do you kind of vet the 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 companies that are are featured? Is it and you sounds like you've been doing this for a while, mm-hmm. but um, I'm kind of thinking in the relation to in relation to the the, the dating world, but also you know humans we meet here in sure. Vancouver. There's a lot of vetting going on because yeah. there's a lots of bullshit, a lot of bullshit, right? Oh yeah. But you must you must have to be very certain and clear about the companies that you're presenting to your network and your community that they're quite solid, and then also to an extent, the, the investors that are in the room, there must be a couple of them that try to sneak through. Mm-hmm. But so it's got to be, how do you do that? How do you how do you vet people and make sure it's high quality and the event is high quality and the people in there are are high quality? Well, right now, there's, we get no shortage of companies proposing themselves to be on stage. So there's a few things we look for in terms of one, you know, we, we consider it, it's an event, it's something you're going to watch and learn and be interested in. So the stagemanship and the story of behind the company is actually quite important. Like we want something that's going to teach you something, interest you. Um, there could be the best business in the world, but maybe if they're, you know, digging gravel out of the ground, maybe that's not the most interesting thing, even if it's cash flow positive and, and checks the boxes of an investment. So we like there to be a good speaker, a bit of flash to the business. Hopefully it's an industry that is on the top of your mind and, and you want to learn about it. AI right now, obviously is something everyone's talking about space, you know, to whatever extent we can bring in a thought leader to teach people something there. That's kind of one of the levels. Now, the other level is, is this business a good investment? And the way it is right now, I'm in this middle ground where I don't really work for the audience because the audience doesn't pay anything. It is, the, it is my investor relations clients that go on stage. So there's that. Now, where I'd like to get it to would be to flip that script. 
and to say maybe they're even maybe the company's on stage maybe they don't even pay anything at all maybe it's the audience that pays and now all of a sudden i work for the audience and i can look at 400 deals and analyze to find the four best but so it's, it depends on who i'm working for now that being said companies that go on stage I'll assess to make sure they're not a scam, to make sure it's a real business, to make sure that they've got some operating history, make sure that they either have revenue and growing revenue, or they have certain assets um, that we deem valuable. It could be IP, for example, or a management team that has past success. So we've been very good at finding companies that are that kind of balance the needs of both the audience and the companies themselves. But in the future, I see a lot of opportunity to really focus in on the audience side of things. It's just a matter of training people to be willing to, um, instead, like if you're watching, looking at Facebook and you see ads, you don't pay for using Facebook. Okay, you are the product, right? Mm -hmm. You're the one. The attention, you're, you're, you're the attention. Your yeah, attention is the that's product. That's what they want, yeah. right? So it's the same thing from my point of view. Now, if you flip it around and you are on YouTube and you subscribe to YouTube, now you don't get ads. Okay, well, now, now you're YouTube's customer and they want to take care of you. Mm -hmm. So they don't show you ads. Mm. So that's where I want the model should go. It should be the audience. Um, maybe they're subscribing to a club. Maybe there's a fund involved with a performance fee, something mm -hmm. that incentivizes me to expand the search and solely focus on behalf of the audience. I think that's where it would go. For the short term, we've done a good job balancing both. You know, um, we found some really cool companies have come out of Deal Night. Uh, you know, shout out to Versus. I always <laughs> throw them in there. It's one of my biggest personal um, holdings. They did Deal Night. Gabe, guy from LA, he's this artificial intelligence like savant, and he's just a stud. <laughs> he's an excellent speaker, very suave guy, and the company is rock solid. They've raised like seventy million bucks. The stock's been on an absolute tear since then. So you know, sometimes we have big successes out of there. So. It's all a balance right now. Nice. How's so that for a long answer? No, it's it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> so it's it's if if the 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 audience becomes a, a group and kind of pools their money together mm -hmm. type thing, uh, and then they you know so it's kind of like a network or a community. Yeah. So you're so anyone who's in in this and that could get bigger and bigger and bigger. It becomes its own fund. Mm -hmm. Did you? Yeah, that's you, exactly you, where you I said went. that. You yeah. oh, so the people that are part of this are mm -hmm. a fund, and then they get to you know. Mm -hmm with your guidance and the guidance of experts choose where the collective money goes and makes yeah. it makes a bigger impact mm -hmm. because you know if 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 i'm a junior investor or there's new investors out there perhaps there's only so much to put in and doesn't mm -hmm. make that much of a dent but if you've got a bigger bigger collective then not only you can help the company out more mm -hmm. as well exactly exactly so it also opens up the kind of companies i can get on stage so i did um, you know, on a couple of my Instagram accounts, on LinkedIn, and now to the email list today, we're doing polls saying, what stage of company interests you most? So it's typically been companies that are already public, but they're on the smaller side. So they're still small enough that it's not Apple, where everyone in the world knows Apple. It's, you know, like versus when they first listed, amazing company, publicly traded, but if you don't know, you don't know. Like there's no billboard telling you about it. So this event brought value from that perspective. So that's the typical client. But I was just curious. And I said, you know, there's four options. Private company, really early stage. Like the smart guys, previous idea or previous success. And now they have an idea, like really early. Uh, angel investor kind of stuff. Then there's private companies that they've raised money. Maybe it's at least a few million. They've got a product. It works. Product market fit is there. Founders are capable. And now they want to do a bit bigger of a raise, but they're still private. Then saying, okay, what about these guys that are just recently public? You can buy them as simply as going on a trading account. You can put 10 bucks in if you want. Um, or do you want a company that's been around the block? It's established. You know, it's not going to 
growth chart going way up, but it's a solid business, been around for a long time, risk is way lower. And I was amazed to see that the private company's earlier stage was by far the winner of what people wanted to see. Hmm. Now, we don't typically focus on that because a lot of the time, these companies can't afford events. They don't have the cash flow. Hmm. But back to the previous idea, if the audience was in charge, if the audience had a fund, they were kind of paying part of this or whatever, however it worked, then we could bring those companies in. So the payoff to the audience may be well worth it, but we would have to retrain the audience of what they're there for. Well, the, yeah, yeah. and that kind of, you have an education branch mm-hmm. to everything you do as well. But is, is the education of the people that voted on the poll and, and made that decision, do you, that must be a smaller group in Vancouver compared to Toronto, compared to Miami, mm-hmm. compared to New York. Certainly. Right. But in, in Vancouver, how would you describe it? it the, I, you know, every, there's a lot of intelligent people here. So I, yeah. I, I understand that, that people are, are into this, but it just must not be that huge of a, a community. Um, it's not. No, it's certainly much smaller than Toronto and Miami. Both of those cities are, are significant. And when I look at the audience that comes to those events, it's a lot more money, like family offices with many, 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 many millions will show up. Uh, investment ba- representatives from investment banks will show up. So it's it's a it, there's a lot more money in those crowds. Um, what's unique about Vancouver is there's a real love of entrepreneurship in the city, really, is. and you can mm-hmm. feel it. Um, it's very glamorized to be an entrepreneur. Um, people are very, I I've felt anyways that there's a really good ecosystem of people helping each other, which is great. So I could see there being a unique niche, maybe focusing on the really early stage stuff, like the higher risk, higher reward, but really supporting those grassroots entrepreneurial campaigns. I could see that being something unique, whereas perhaps maybe it works in Toronto, but I could see Toronto being typically more focused on later stage, bigger deals, more established. Hey, let's raise 30 million rather than, hey, let's go and raise a $500,000 seed round. So I think Vancouver does have its little magic sweet spot. I can see that. So our... our are the investors that show up to these events in, in each of these cities, Vancouver, Toronto, Miami, um, LA as, as well? LA will be next. Yeah. Nice. Are these, like, these are legitimate investors like this, like mm-hmm. the people, is this a, these are, this is a premier event and you're pulling together, um, you know, proper companies and, and, and the real deal. Like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the people are using this, uh, that thing that you've created to facilitate their work mm-hmm. at the highest level. Yeah, correct. It's a good audience there. There's only... There's always, like I said, we, we reserve a part of the audience for, call it unknown, um, you know, certain people that we deem as being interesting, potentially a good fit um, that aren't as obvious. You know, for example, you see somebody who's an investment advisor, investment banker. Okay, well, we know they invest. We know they're educated. We know they have money. Um, so we make sure that that's the core. But there's always a certain portion that we want to let other people into the network because sometimes you're surprised, to be honest. You never want to underestimate somebody. I've I've met some incredible people by just that I never would have w- wouldn't have made my initial checklist. Nice. So I always like to leave a bit of that open for for interpretation as we let new people in. But we're very picky ultimately. Cool. cool. Yeah. And what's the? Tell me more about the edge the educational branch that you do. Is it, is it mm. primarily the the content that you share online? But I think it's great because if there's if there's a smaller community here, for example, in Vancouver, there's there's a ring around that type of community that that's interested mm-hmm. and wants to get empowered with the knowledge. And, you know, maybe they have money or maybe they have a little, maybe they have a lot, but if they are, are informed about how to use it, they'll be more likely to show up to the events and be able to contribute. Mm-hmm. So what's the, how, how does the educational arm work and, and what's fun about that? Sure. So the educational arm, 
you could call that edge investments. And that was my first business I started. So that's where it all began. That was me holding, uh, holding a camera, doing selfie videos, originally about crypto, actually, because I'd wrote an ebook on cryptocurrency, on, on investing in crypto and blockchain adjacent technologies, and essentially how to not get scammed. <laughs> that was yeah. the, the core message of it. Nice. I could have saved a lot of people a lot of money if they, you know, if they had, <laughs> where were you? I was there. <laughs> where are they reading? They should have been reading the book. I yeah. could have saved a lot of people a lot of money. And, and, and because of that, I leveraged that into building a following. You know, I was paid to go speak, do events, um, keynotes about blockchain and crypto. Um, I initially built a newsletter and an Instagram account about that specifically. And it wasn't until crypto kind of flopped that I started branching out into other industries. But the core of it has always been, you know, edge investments, education, like that's one of the puns, also cutting edge, you know, uh, et cetera. But we, we do a lot of that now. You know, my partners, they're in Toronto. Um, they've actually got a big office there. They've got huge, lots of experience in building an online presence. Nice. And we're really focusing on the website. So we're putting out 20 to 50 articles a month, at least. We've got wow. a team of writers now. Um, not everything is educational. Sometimes people just want to know what are five AI stocks you should watch, you know, things like that. But we really do lean into education. Certain things like, you know, one of the top articles on our site is, what is it? It's um, when you buy a stock, where does the money go? That I think is our number two article right Fair now. Fair question. Right? right. And we know the answer to that. So we, we make uh, lots of content that's educational, like core infrastructure questions to portfolio management. Like how do you build a safe portfolio? Should you use a human stockbroker or like should you use an online like a digital platform so we we root a lot of it in education and if anything we're going to lean a lot more into that and i'm actually going to start making a lot more video content um that's educational in nature nice yeah, yeah it's amazing uh you got a lot on the go eh? <laughs> yeah. how like it's, it's awesome yeah. i love it and I'm, i just am getting the energy for for free so i <laughs> i appreciate that how do you like what a lot about what we talk about on the show is, uh, you know, authentic success and authentic moving forward. Mm-hmm. You must come across in your industry a lot of things that are a little less than authentic. Oh, and, yeah. and and do they do they get spotted pretty early and get weeded out, or 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 you know, or have you been burned a couple times, or people get people people sneak through? My uh, to say I've been burned is like a, the understatement of a year. Mm. Um, the ironic thing is that. A lot of my closest connections, we've been burned together. (laughs) And it's like what, you know, brothers at arms, like you're in the trenches together, you kind of bonds you. So some of my closest contacts now in the business, we've been screwed (laughs) together. And we vow not only to not make that same mistake, um, but to it just brings you closer together because you can have that shared experience. Um, So (laughs) nothing like getting screwed. Nothing like getting screwed. So, you know, I've I've been I've been screwed many times. I've, I've failed many times. It gets easier to figure out where the garbage is. Um, a, a small amount of education goes a long way because there's generally a, a handful of things you can look for that won't take you long in a company that if, the, if a company doesn't check these five boxes, just walk away. No matter what, no matter how much you like the founder, no matter how much money they've raised, no matter how amazing the outlook is, there's a, a few, not, few questions you can ask that'll just immediately tell you to move on so it's not as hard as you'd think to do at least a high level sift to get through to the real winners yeah that's a whole other ball game and that takes a lot of experience um connections that can kind of guide you in that expertise and your gut your gut tells it will take you a long way yeah if something smells like bs it probably is (laughs) what's your uh what's your spiritual gut practice What, what what do you do when 
how do you make, I guess, the biggest of decisions? Do you have a, do you have a process? Do you get really stressed out? Do you, uh, do you call a certain person? Do you walk the, looks nice out now. Yeah, it does. Uh, do you walk the seawall? Do you go for a swim? Like where, like for me, when I make, when I make big decisions, one of the things I always use is like, when do I have to make the decision mm-hmm. by? I love doing that. Like if I don't have to make a big decision on something until next Thursday, uh, I know I don't have to make that decision until next Thursday, mm-hmm. eight days from when we're recording this right now. So I will think about it from here to here and there. Uh, and I'll take in more information over this this next week. But ideally, I will try not to stress and suffer all the way to, to next Thursday. <laughs> not always easy. Yeah. But I'll know when I get to that moment on Wednesday night before the decision needs to get made. I'll take a couple breaths and, and one way will will feel right or the other. This does not mean that this practice has always worked for me, but it is getting quite a bit better. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's like, when do I have to make mm-hmm. the decision and um, kind of wait as long as possible, but not 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 drag it out too much. But how, like, how do you make big decisions? Yeah, well. Well, well, okay. Big decisions and small decisions. You know, small decisions. I, I, I do have a tendency of being a bit of a control freak, and I do like having my hands in everything. I'm, tr- I'm becoming better <laughs> at when something is not mission critical, just deferring to my team and, and just saying, just take it. What cocktails do we have an event? I don't. I shouldn't even be thinking about you shouldn't it. Shouldn't be thinking. But even bigger decisions than that. You know, I'm more and more like I really trust my partners. So even big decisions, if it's in their subject expertise, I just need to. I, I want to be involved, but I force myself not to be. And then when it's a big decision that has to come from me, I'm a big writer. Yeah. I find I, I'm like, I learn visually. So for me, there's a lot of pacing around and just thinking like literally staring out a window and just letting my mind run. I have like, you know, my balcony has a beautiful view of downtown, very quiet. I'll just sit there and just like let my mind go wild. That's step one. Mm-hmm. Step two is I just, you could call it journaling, I guess. I just write everything. I don't think about it. I write my thoughts, bullet points, lists, pros and cons, and I just go crazy on it. And I'll build a pretty big document and then I'll leave it and just let it sit for a bit, go mm-hmm. get my other work done, maybe wait a day, come back to it, revise it. And usually by then seeing it and rereading it, I'll be like, oh, well, this was ridiculous. This is actually interesting. I actually still think this is good, but oh, actually, what about this? Make a sub bullet and just kind of slowly iterate, but in a written form. Um, sometimes that takes the shape of like an Excel spreadsheet. We're looking at hiring somebody right now for sales and we're trying to decide what's the compensation look like because we want to give them a percent commission, but we know they probably want the stability of a base, but maybe there's a compromise and we give them a bigger possible commission with no stability of a base. So it's, it's looking at different scenarios like this. So I use made an Excel spreadsheet, you know, my analyst coming back, uh, built a financial model, looking over the months of different variables of how many deals does he bring in? What's the average cost? coming up with what felt like a reasonable expectation and then looking at different scenarios of different base salaries combined with different commissions. How does that look over one year? How does it look over two years? And then literally letting math just come to the conclusion there. So it's always got to be something where I'm punching keys and I'm taking multiple days to reflect and reiterate. And with enough of those, you know, sitting with my coffee and staring into the distance and, and, and then, it be- then it becomes uh, yeah, decision and, and then go on. Yeah. Like, some of the like I I, I write my things on in, in the books and yeah. the post-it notes and by paper and all nice. that and and I love writing it the the day before so I know my my day yeah. <laughs> coming up I know the the meetings and I know my to dos and and when you write it the day before it kind of you, you kind of prepare yourself mm-hmm. subconsciously through the night to to get 
ready for that. But for things like talks and, and content, I'll, I'll do the same thing. I'll, I'll write it out. I'll let it sit there for a while. And then you come back and you read it the next morning or whatever it is. You're like, that is not good. And <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Like th- this, we're, this we're sticking with. So there's something about, uh, it sounds like we're both like in motion, mm-hmm. get it out there, get it out there while the inspiration is there, leave it for a bit, come back and, and reevaluate. Yeah. And you know what is the most, <laughs> so important, um, mission critical emails, whether it's a heated email, it's a sales email, it's a strategic email get your thoughts on paper and do not click send. Don't hit send. Do not hit send. I even take out the, the people you're going to send it to. I do just, too. Just in case you hit that's send. That's funny. You do. So do I. And it's, that's <laughs> happened, right? I, yeah. Don't put the two and the, yeah. the CC. Take all them out. Yeah. Right? I, I do the same thing. Yeah. And I've seen so many people just in the heat of the moment, I got to respond back right away. And then that email comes through and I'm, oh boy. Yeah. I'm just like, that is regrettable. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So always just, even if it's not, even if it's a positive feeling, not necessarily a, an angry email. It can be just as bad on the positive side. You offer too much. Yeah. You give too much. You aren't you know, strong enough with your own needs. So it goes both ways. So yeah, drafting anything and just letting it sit for a moment. I've been trying to think more about, you know, even it's, it's tricky though with, with even Instagram message and, and things like that. Um, but anytime you message anyone, text someone, Teams message, email, phone, whatever it is, like when your name comes up, they have a specific emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. And so if you're always being a dickhead and and, (laughs) um, causing them pain or whatever it is, like you can have all these little hits of trauma on on all these people. You don't want that. Like you want, and you're not, and you know, we're all professionals and and we do what we do. So we don't want to be blowing smoke all over the place. Mm But that's something I've been more aware of, like right. when that like because when we interrupt people and, and we reach out to them with with these messages and emails and all mm-hmm. that, we were interrupting people. Yeah, 100 percent. We all have enough interruptions. But what is that feeling that they get mm-hmm. when they know what they're going to hear and feel from you? Well, there's definitely those people when you see the message pop up, you're like, oh, uh, yeah, what do you want? Now? And sometimes, you know, it's <laughs> it's 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 uh <laughs> Uh, you know, the translation is lost through, yeah. through, through messaging, right? Mm-hmm. There's certain older people that we all probably communicate with. And you're like, <laughs> you're just, you sound like a jerk over text, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you're not actually. So this is, I mean, this is one of the reasons I like doing yeah. podcasts and, and things <laughs> like that. And, and the video content that you do, because mm-hmm. people get to know you more when right. you actually speak and hear them, how they talk. There no amount of content or, or posts or quotes or whatever it is that you put out there. People will actually, they won't get to know you mm-hmm. right yeah but when you you know we can't engage personally with everyone but when we do things like this people get to know us and, and connect with us i think it's huge i think this kind of content is so important for anybody and everybody it doesn't matter what business you're in for the exact reasons you said you know business moves at the speed of trust and yeah. it's hard to feel trust for somebody without a face mm-hmm. um seeing somebody how they think and, and even outside of you know, I post a lot of videos that don't necessarily have anything to do with my business. It's me just having fun on the weekend, or maybe I'm doing driving my motorcycle or whatever it is, just all in the the name of people just getting to know who I am, know who me, what I like. I think that the more people feel like they know me, the more comfortable feel people will feel with me and the more likely they are to do business with me. So, so how do you gauge that? Like what you... um because I've been at, at both extremes. Like, how do you gauge what you share? Like, do you have a meaning and purpose mm-hmm. behind sharing you on your motorcycle other than 
And I'm sure we've all been there where, where we're just doing it for, for validation and the lights <laughs> and, and the clicks and all that. But do you have more of a meaning and purpose of, of what you put out there on social media? And if it is just that, and, and, and you're good with that, it's well to people to get to know me and do business with me and trust me. Is that, is that how you think about it when you put, do you, and do you consciously think about every single thing you put I don't online? think about everything I post online. So I, there's certainly things I won't post online, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but the, my strategy, so I have a lot of people who work with me. One of them, you know, he's been my video editor for years. He's also much more than that. He's creative design. He's my kind of co-pilot in anything Kevin brand. And my job is just to have my phone out, film everything, all different angles. And just while I'm living life, I just film a lot of stuff, you know, hanging out with me. It's maybe a little bit annoying. So I'm asking you to film something, but (laughs) that's me. And then I dump it all into a Google Drive. And then he knows me, he knows my brand, and he'll go through, cut up videos, be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Okay. Yeah, we have kind of fun together. But the main goal is, I got to think of what is the purpose of my socials? It's like, okay, well, I want to establish myself as a businessman, as somebody you can trust to do business with, um, somebody who can connect you with other entrepreneurs, connect you with companies, etc. So my content does have to ultimately focus on that with a bit of room for freedom. Um, I love exercising. I love going to the gym. I love talking about that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of people who just find that genuinely interesting. So I like to share it. It's part of who I am. So I do keep, think of it 80-20. 80% focus on my business objective. 20%, this is me. (laughs) Well, you've done a a great job of (laughs) building your brand, right? Thank you. Because- you know, it wasn't it wasn't like 40 years ago that, that you were an analyst. So you've done a great job of, you. of putting this trajectory and, and, and amping it up. Do you ever do you ever get a do you ever get the feeling like you're ever in over your head at, at certain moments of, of the year? Oh, man, I'm just used to being over my head. I've lived. <laughs> I've been over my head for, for years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've learned everything on the fly. Um, it, it's certainly at this point in my life, if it's easier and easier, I would say the thing about me, though, is. I'll be in a spot where I, I, I say yes to perhaps too many things, uh, never to the point where I can't deliver, but always to the point where I'm stressed out and don't have much time, much free time. <laughs> but I'm okay. I, I'm comfortable living like that. I've got a lot of energy. Yeah. Now, um, I would say, oh, sorry, I lost my, my train of thought. Um, sorry, remind me. What, well, what? but, it, you know, irrespective, you know, we can, we can, I think one of the points in there is mainly around, um, that I wanted to ask you about was, was the, the free time and how you do this right. and how you've built this brand so successfully. Like, uh, I, I get the feeling that you don't watch too many Netflix video <laughs> videos a, a week. Like you're probably not going to wing night every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday with, no. with the boys. Like, well, like what is, what is, and I think this is important for people that, 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 that see your success and everything you've done. You haven't done it. Um, you know, watching all 162 Blue Jay games or whatever the number <laughs> is each and every year. And, and that's fine if people want to do that. But the challenge becomes is is if they're doing that and they want your success. Right. You can't have one both. I don't really watch TV. I'll watch a little bit of it. Um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I disappear from the world. Um, either you'll see me at the gym or you've got a Zoom call with me. That's how you interact with me during the week. Um, I'm very social Saturday, Sunday, certainly. Uh, but yeah, I don't watch the only time I do watch TV is it's, it, it's funny. So I've been, wa- I've been watching lots of reality TV lately, but the reason is I want to be on reality TV. There's a reason. <laughs> so I'm yeah. studying and I'm figuring out which shows seem appropriate for me. 
What kind of people do they like? Like for me, it's I'm being an analyst still. Why do you want to be on reality TV? It's just, it's one of those things like every year when things get easier, I find something to make things a little harder. Yeah. And what I was, and before I lost my train of thought before, where I was going with that is that I will say yes to a lot of things to the point of being busy, but not to the point of not being able to deliver. And then eventually I hit a point where it starts getting easier because I'm outsourcing to other people. I'm finding efficiencies. I'm getting better at it and it's just easier. And and the, my busyness kind of goes down. Most people would probably enjoy themselves and maybe go for a walk or something. I, I can't help but plug something else in immediately. Mm-hmm. So I'm always maxed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just kind of how I've gotten used to living my life. And no, it doesn't leave room for Netflix and, yeah. and things like that. I exercise a lot, but because not only is it going to keep me alive longer, I need to get out of the house and move my body, mm-hmm. but I just love it. Like yeah. nothing I like more than lifting weights and boxing. Like it's just, it's just enjoyment for me. Yeah. So that is my hobby. Yeah. People ask what my hobbies are. I'm like, oh, shit, I, I don't really know. Like yeah. I kind of just exercise and work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's so important whenever I get into a funk or, a, or, you know, I want to some sort of upgrade like the, well, lately, like the, 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 the part I'll go to it is, is working on this, right? Like, like exercising more, like being healthier, yeah. um, doing more meditations around town or whatever, more cold plunges, whatever <laughs> it is, right? Anything to kind of get the vessel uh, vibrating at a higher frequency. And then, and then the ideas and mm-hmm. the, the good, the good stuff comes out of there. It's not, it's no element of like beating ourselves down. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. No, <laughs> I agree. That's always the foundation of the, of the pyramid, right? It's like whenever you're, whenever I'm like stressed or I don't know if I'm on the right track or I'm just having just client issues or, or anything like that. It always comes back down to I focus on, okay, number one, health. If I feel overwhelmed, go back to health because at the end of the day, you know, if you die, you burn yourself out, you're not going to be very, you're not going to be capable of doing anything. So it always comes back to that. And that's why I invest so much time, money, effort into health and wellness in all mm-hmm. kinds of ways. So it always comes back to that. So that's why, you know, I was, I was uh, look at investment bankers of, you know, the days when I was, I could never do that now. I'm, I don't have the, uh, the ability to sit behind a computer for that, you know, 14, 15, 16 hours a day and sleeping in the office. But it's just, you know, nobody, nobody lasts like that. Mm-hmm. You can't, you burn yourself out. And then sometimes that burnout and the, from sacrificing your health, eating chicken nuggets and not going to the gym, that burnout can last years. It can shape your whole life too. So mm-hmm. I think having a foundation of health, it's just, it's not an option. It's critical. Nice. Right. So Kevin, like, and you can share what you want, but okay. you obviously, and I'm, I'm sort of learning to not share my biggest goals anymore okay. and, and the biggest things I, I, I dream about. Well, because <laughs> and I had this uh, discussion with Sherrod in the chair last night who, who was here. Um, sometimes in the past, when, like if you, sometimes if you do that, not everyone's going to believe in you mm-hmm. and you can see it in their eyes and hear in the questions that they ask. And then, Good. so it, it, it brings a little bit of fear into mm-hmm. you. Um, so it, it's, you know, you share it with select people, mm-hmm. right? And then the other things you kind of, you kind of um, share after you've done it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I've done the book. I've done the show. I've done the podcast. Yeah, there it is. It's, 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 it's in progress. But you must, you must, you must have some things, right? <laughs> when like in those four minutes oh, yeah. while you're, uh, before you fall asleep at, at night, there are certain things where, where you think what is, what is mm-hmm. possible for you. Yeah. And I like saying that stuff. I do it the opposite way. You know, I'll announce my goals and then I'll go do them because I know people will, even if they don't verbally hold me to the fire, I know that they know. 
I know that I've said it to them and I know that if I don't do it, somebody's going to notice. And more importantly, I'm, 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 I'm a biggest critic. I'm a biggest motivator. Like I'm going to notice and that's enough for me, but having that public knowledge and having people knowing accountability, oh, it makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's why when I decided, you know, I want to be on podcasts, for example, made a statement about it. You know, my goal, I want to get more media. I want to get more podcasts announce it and then it kind of backfills people like i said i believe the world wants to help you and and sure enough you know people such as yourself kind of came to me and helped me achieve you know check that off which is great and thank you same thing for reality tv i think it sounds like a fun interesting life experience that most people will never do mm-hmm. um which massively attracts me to it mm-hmm. and first thing i do is i announce it publicly and then how i'm going to accomplish it is very systemized but step one is just telling the world so now i know that many people know i want it um, which means they're waiting. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they're going to hold me to it. And mm-hmm. also it means that there's a lot of people trying to help me, which is really cool. Nice. The amount of people that have come out um, for no benefit to them, just willing to help uh, has been awesome. Nice. It makes me, you know, I have faith in the world. Nice. There's so many good people. All right, you, you've inspired me. You know, one day New York Times number one bestseller. There you go. I love One that. day perform in front of BC Place sold out. Like that, that just lights me up. There so. you go. Uh, I'm, I'm back to sharing. All right. Okay. You heard it. You heard yeah. it here. We can, we can, uh, it, remake that clip. You that's can, fine. We'll just play it over and over and over. Yeah. You know, I, I'm the same way too. I'm like, uh, uh, like you will be on reality TV, yeah. right? You know, not just <laughs> say it. And, and I guess the part that I have struggled with in the past is not being patient or, or right. trying to control when it happens and how it happens. You never know. Right. I think the number one thing is just blurt your goals out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's what's that concept of what is it hugging your idea to death oh i've got this great idea um but i can't tell you because you might steal it from me mm-hmm. or you might get it first yeah uh and i'll be jealous right that's very typical of entrepreneurs for yeah. sure whereas i take the opposite approach um if an idea is so easy to steal from you it's probably not that great of an idea come mm-hmm. up with another one mm-hmm. but i think it's more likely that there's somebody you're going to tell it to, that's going to find a way to help you, right? Mm -hmm. I've seen that firsthand. I've been that guy to help firsthand. So I just think that's so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Even meeting people. One thing I'll mention, and I'll find a way to sneak it into conversations. Hey, I'm trying to get on TV this year. Mm -hmm. Person I met who wanted some business advice, met with her. uh, We chatted. I said, hey, you know, this is my goal. And next thing I know, she's connected me to an LA producer. Nice. I didn't know you used to be, I didn't know you're connected to LA producers. Now him and I have been chatting. He took my, my clip and he sent it to casting directors just for me one time nice. telling one person, nice. right? So I thought, imagine what's going to happen if I put it online for thousands of people to see. I'm getting on TV. Yeah, you, <laughs> I will find a way. Yeah. Well, you're already on YouTube. So it's like halfway there. Halfway so. there. But no, this has been great. No, I appreciate this so much, Kevin. Kevin. So how much can, how else can, you know, can people help you right now? I love that you asked that. Um, you know, I, I just value having a really good network right now. Nice. And whether that means you want to engage with me online, uh, you know, when I, it's not, it's not supposed to be a one-way interaction. If I'm making videos, you know, when people, when people comment on them or write me back saying that they, what they like or didn't like, or they bought me and talked to me in the streets, I, that's that's a cool thing that's new uh, people saying they've seen my videos and stuff cool i love that what's that like it's weird yeah. I, I was like what like what video are you even talking about thinking they're definitely talking about somebody else and sure enough yeah. they show me and it's me i'm like that's so freaking cool nice uh that even happened in miami too so 
stuff like that is it's just being part of like I'm trying really hard to build something here. So mm-hmm. anytime somebody is part of it or engages with me, good feedback, good feedback or constructive negative feedback. I love that just as much, if not more. Yeah. So the biggest thing I would ask for people is just be part of it and yeah. you know know that I'm putting a lot of work into trying something new that can be intimidating. So anytime people kind of send that back, it means a lot. Yeah, it's inspiring. It no, I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So how can how can people follow you? What's uh, what are the best accounts? I'd say, you know, my main account on Instagram at Kev Matheson, that's, that's where I, that's kind of the mothership. I linked my other accounts, you know, like deal night events and, uh, edge and Apollo. You can see the links on my profile. That, that's, that's the best way place to start. That's where, where most of the magic happens. Where, when's the next deal night in Vancouver? Good question. So TBD for some reason. So for example, this TV show that I mentioned, they want to film their finale at our Vancouver event. possibly LA may now be involved, but that sounds like the Vancouver event. So that is going to happen, but we don't really know when. And I don't know the speed that real production goes at. So it could be early in the new year, Nice, but to to be determined, (laughs) but it'll be big and glitzy and there'll be lots of cameras and everyone will have to sign waivers about, you know, uh, being appearing on a show. It'll be just so cool. It'll be like a big life moment for me. And I, like, Oh, cool. No, this, <laughs> yeah. this is really cool. I, I mean, this wait. is, this has been really great. Uh, for me personally, like awesome. this is, there's, it takes a lot of work to do and create these things as yeah. you know. And sometimes you're like, why? Well, I want <laughs> to also get to know the people that are doing inspiring things in, in town. And I want to, um, you know, get to know people like you better, but we can only do that so much over online so i really sure. appreciate you coming and sitting in the hey, in chair and, and, and sharing pleasure. everything uh all the, all the fire you got <laughs> my pleasure i live for these conversations right it's it's no fun being an entrepreneur alone right um it's it's the you know the power of your network and and the crew you got around you and, and the people who actually you know care enough to listen yeah, yeah. that's what it's all about cool. right last question <laughs> what do you when, when we sit down a year from now Ooh. When, you, when we sit down a year from now okay. can you imagine eh i can't imagine me too. The wheels are turning. <laughs> it feels good. Eh? It feels, you know, not without its challenges in the next year, but, uh, you know, I think we've both laid some, some good groundwork mm-hmm. and, but also generally, uh, feeling good, right. Mm-hmm. Feeling good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really important for, and coming from good places too. Uh, I think that's really important to, to manifest and create, but what, uh, what are we talking about a year from now? Okay. Where will we be in a year from now? So at the end of next summer, I will have a minimum of four cities that are active in events. I think I want to be moving under the pipeline of, of something really international, like London or Dubai or something like that. So, so there, I'll put this out there. The first like major international expansion. Nice. That's number one. Number two, I want to be on some TV show. I'll leave it at that. I don't know if it's a, what show that is, but somehow being recorded on a, on a proper production TV show. That's number two. I think number three would be I really want to get back into public speaking Mm -hmm. and doing events. So maybe it's not a keynote, but some significant, how about this? I want to set my new personal record for size of audience I speak to. So I think my biggest right now is about 200 people. Mm -hmm. So setting a record beyond that. So those are my three. Those are nice. But how about you? Now you got to tell me. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, and in a year, we're going to stitch these clips and so that we can show that we actually did it. <laughs> uh, I like this. I'm really being put on the spot, you know, and I'll, I'll take, a, I'll, I'll do three. Okay. The first, the first one I will, and 
the first one I'll put out there is, you know, I generally want to feel as good as I feel right now because I've yep. I spent a lot of time feeling not this good. Okay. And, you know, so I really honor and cherish that. I respect um, that. Yeah, no, definitely been there. Put myself through through the gears. <laughs> um, man, I don't quite have the best answers that you have, but I appreciate the I, I, I just, this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and like I have these bigger goals and, and things I've mentioned, but um, it's really actually important because if, if we don't talk about them and we don't do them, then mm -hmm. they, they, they won't manifest and they won't come. Uh, so I'll get back to you on that. Do it. Yeah. I mean, you got the benefit of this being your podcast. You can even record it when I, I'm gone and stitch it in. I, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to talk to it with, uh, with Lucas tomorrow night. It's a, it's, it's a perfect question. Okay. So how about this? Promise me whether it's you record it and chop it into this or mm -hmm. add it into your next interview, but I'd like to see your three answers yeah. so that we can come back to this. Interview. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know my long-term ones straight up. I like me, uh, performing in some way. BC play sold out like that to Love me that. is amazing. I've been doing singing lessons. So Unreal. fun. I'll be front row. How about that? <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Amazing. So that like that that's on there. Yeah, I do want New York Times number yeah. one for sure. I think that'd be so cool. So cool. And, you know, I'm not going to probably not going to write a book in the next year, but we'll put that one out okay. out there. But those like those two sort of big pillars drive me because I think it's fun. Those are huge. Yeah, those goals. are those are those are those, those are, are big, but they goals. can actually kind of happen in a compressed period yeah. of time as well. If the stars align oh, yeah. like, to me. Uh, yeah, the public speaking. I did this. Uh, so I wrote a book and then I, cool. did, I did a TEDx. And then last year I turned the TEDx into this one man solo show. Cool. Uh, so 50 minute solo show for the at the Vancouver Fringe Festival. Oh, so the so full on acting. And I'd never done anything like this what? before. So, yeah, I know it's bonkers. <laughs> Unreal. Next you know? stop Broadway. Well, yeah, I mean, like, so I've, I've been, I've been, I've been, and I've, I've learned more about the acting world in the last year or so. And it is, it is, cool. uh, you know, it's definitely a lot of work involved. You can't just show up and, and do it. But my point being the, the, the performing and the public speaking and the acting and being on stage and, and moving people, it is cool. so cool. You're, so cool. There's nothing. It's kind of, I used to do a lot more extreme sports, yeah. sports, the biking, the skiing, yeah. the, all the stuff, the windsurfing. Now I do that. Cool. Because if awesome. you if you if you fall when you're on stage or you you forget your lines, <laughs> yeah. you are you are like there's Toast. nothing there's no, not a deeper depth than, than no that. there's not that's right? brutal. Cool that you did a TEDx. I that oh man I I would kill to do a TEDx. I'd say that's all TEDx and then eventually a full TED. Um, mm -hmm. That's I'm at, oh, that's on the list. Okay, that's Good. yeah. And then that, that one that one I think that one's relatively uh, can happen yeah. with the right connections quicker mm -hmm. as well. So it's it's really fun. I'm I'm doing um but yeah, public speaking is great. I've got mm -hmm. a talk coming up in a couple of weeks. Cool. Uh, it's in front of a proper organization, give them a proper talk. And but mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's 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 a great responsibility to have. Yeah. It's a great you've got these folks' attention, you're getting paid to do it. Yeah. And you, but it's, I love the creation of it. Like we've, I've been talking with the organizers each Friday, the last, last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's all, it's all about coming up with the message and the delivery and the structure and all that stuff. Yeah. You can learn and, and, um, you figure it out. And like, I've, I've been doing public speaking now for, for five years, awesome. cool. but this is only really starting to happen now, cool. but you've got to really hone in on, on what the, the message is that you're delivering. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's total, it's total creation. So this is, these are the things that I think about when I'm in the shower or mm -hmm. out walking around or out doing a run. It's, it's such a, such a fun, creative way to, to, to spend your yeah. mind. That's true. Maybe what I'm going to do in the spirit of, of kind of pre-planning for goals that we just know we're going to get, yeah. I'm going to write my, I'll write a TEDx speech maybe. 
yeah. or like a couple presentations or something. And then that'll be there. That'll be my step one yeah. in manifesting it. Yeah, no, that's great. I, and I, I mean, the, the, the creating the content is, is one thing that the other, the other tricky part is the angle, like actually getting in and finding one, right. but there's, there's lots around. Right. Sure. And, and you know, one way you can do, it, and this is, I tell this to anyone who wants to ever do a TEDx, like you can apply hmm. and apply and apply and apply to 50 different TEDx and yeah. then maybe you'll get in. But it's a lot easier if you build your network and sure. you and you know an organizer okay. and you go through that way. And the, the way I got in was uh, I, I knew one of the organizers and I offered to do public speaking coaching mm-hmm. for um, for her TEDx group for free. Cool. And then with the uh, with the idea that the next time she did it, I would get one of the spots oh, cool. the year after. Cool. That ended up getting canned because COVID and things got compressed together, and I just went right in. Yeah, but that's how it goes. Okay, I um was with somebody that I mentioned this goal to, and her friend has applied 152 times. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, all right, well. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm 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 lazy to an extent, but I'm also strategic. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So so think of different ways to solve yeah, problems. For sure. I'm right. with you on that. Cool. But that's step one. I'm gonna go home and write something. <laughs> right, well, I'll leave you to it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, Kevin. Well, if you've gotten this far, I trust you enjoyed the show. I appreciate any five-star reviews, likes, shares, or comments on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you know of just one other person who you think would also enjoy this episode, consider sending it directly to them. I appreciate you. See you next time.